Welcome to the Project Zion podcast. This podcast explores the unique spiritual and theological gifts Community of Christ offers for today's world. Hello, and welcome to the Project Zion podcast. I'm your host, Carla Long, and today we're discussing what it means to be a prophetic people. Now, a while ago, and I'm not sure how long ago, maybe our guest can answer this question too. A while ago, Community of Christ started saying that we're not necessarily just a people with a prophet. We are, and we feel called to be a prophetic people, and we work really hard to live that way. But what this podcast is about and what this little series is about is I'm curious about what that means to our people. So I'm interviewing a number of people about what that means to them, what it means to them to say that we're a prophetic people. And today I'm interviewing Linda Booth. She is a quote unquote, according to Andrew Bolton, a graduated apostle from community of Christ. <laughs> Hi Linda. Hello Carla and hello all you who are listening in on this conversation. Uh, Linda, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I recently retired at the last World Conference after 22 years of serving as a minister in Community of Christ. Most of that time, all but one year as uh, a member of the Council of Twelve Apostles. Also served as Director of Communications. And then the last six years of my leadership was as President of the Council of Twelve. I'm married nearly 52 years, have three grown sons and three grandsons and delightful daughter-in-laws. And so I laugh, like to joke and say that ha- having been around males so much in my life, it prepared me for the ministry that in the beginning was nearly all males. Well, that's for sure. But that's not really true in community Christ anymore. Like there are, oh. I mean, Women are kind of rocking this. I'm going to tell you, and men too, but women definitely. <laughs> I got to keep going. Okay, so Linda, um, you have been working for Community Christ for 22 years. Do you know when we started talking about that we want to be a prophetic people versus a people with a prophet? I do remember that, uh, and I remember it specifically because it caught. It was sort of jarring, and it happened like a couple of days after Grant McMurray was set apart to serve as the prophet president of the church. And that would have been in 1996. And it was in his sermon just a few days later that he said to the the people, he said, you know, we need to talk about this. He said, we have always had our identity as a people who have a prophet. But he says it's time for us to realize and accept our calling to be a prophetic people. And for some people, when they heard that, it was jarring in that and uncomfortable because they had always thought of and been prideful that they had a prophet. And their prophets were always from the lineage of Joseph Smith, Jr. And so now we have a new prophet president who is not related to Joseph Smith. And he says these disturbing words. And some people thought that meant that he wasn't going to serve as a prophet, that he was just going to be the president of the church. But it, but it was soon found out, especially as he brought the wonderful words that are now in the Doctrine and Covenants 
in section uh, 161 and 162 that we definitely had a prophet and a president. Well, that is really helpful, actually, because I, this, you're my third interview. I'm talking about prophetic people, and I haven't known that. <laughs> so that's really helpful. So you're, we're thinking like the early 2000s is when we kind of, that came out. Well, it came out in 1996. Oh, 96. Yeah. Oh, right, 1996. Right. And so, and so, uh, and people were surprised by that. And some, in fact, uh, he had to oftentimes, and even World Church Leadership Council, share with people, he'd say, you know, people are saying that I don't want to be prophet. That's not what this is about. He said, this is a joint advent, joint uh, venture with God. He said, being a prophetic people means that we are discerning God's presence and God's will for the world. And we as a people, to be prophetic is to express through our actions and our relationships, the care and the compassion that we saw, that we read about in the scriptures in Jesus's ministry. So he really pressed the fact that, you know, you've been prideful, he didn't say this, but you've been kind of prideful that you have this prophet who was of the lineage of Joseph Smith Jr. Now you have this new guy who's been called by God and ordained to be uh, the prophet president of the church. And what I'm saying to you all along that God has been asking us not just to be led by a prophet, but to be a prof prophetic people who will lead others into the kingdom of God. And and he he's had to say that several times before people began to understand, well, yeah, that's this is what God has always done throughout creation is helping people to lead them into that understanding of what it means to be prophetic. Well, well, that's really good to know. And I, I kind of understand the pushback in some ways because to be a prophetic people means we have to do a little bit of work too. Like we can't just sit back and let somebody speak at us and tell us what we should do. And then we're like little robots and do it. We actually have to discern for ourselves, pray about it, think about it, be in community with each other, talk about it and actually do and listen to where God is calling us. So I kind of understand the pushback. I mean, it's much, much easier just to sit in the pew and have someone talk at us. Much easier. Well, yes, and just to have those words given, and then we vote on it by common consent. It goes into our canon of scripture, the Doctrine and Covenants, and, and then we read it, and we read it during worship services and maybe during personal reflection, but that's where it stays. It sort of stays in the book, and we're called to be that a part of that open canon, that prophetic people who then live uh, the concerns and passion of Jesus Christ in, in the world. And, and in fact, uh, I remember Peter Judd talking about how Joseph Smith Jr. was asked about whether or not he was a prophet. And I looked up these words and Joseph Smith Jr. said, when he was asked, do you believe that you're a prophet? He said, um, he, he gave a really strange response. If you think about it, he says, yes, and every other man who has the testimony of Jesus, for the testimony of Jesus is a spirit of prophecy. And that last line, for the testimony of Jesus is a spirit of prophecy, comes from the book of Revelations, the 19th chapter, the 10th verse. And so even Joseph Smith Jr., 
who was very specific sometimes in what his prophetic words told people to do, he even recognized that the, the role of being prophetic is not alone for the prophet, president of the church, but it's for any, he said man, but it's for any person who has a testimony of Jesus and lives that testimony in a way that brings wholeness and restoration in the lives of people and in community. So, so we, we kind of lost that element of what it meant to be prophetic. And we just focused on the man at the time who was the quote prophet and what happened then to the doctrine and covenants. And we expected it on a regular basis Instead, all along, this faith movement has pointed to the fact that being prophetic is a joint responsibility between the leadership of the church and all those who call themselves disciples. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for that. That was really helpful for me. And so we've thrown around the word prophetic quite a bit. Can you tell us what the word prophetic actually means to you. Yes, and, and I've been thinking about this because it, it just feels sort of like it's always been a word that was a part of my life. But I've realized that that word was expressed in different ways as I was growing up. So I was raised in a very loving home with grandparents, both sides who were uh, the men were obviously ministers. The women were ministers too, even though they weren't ordained. And and in that environment of being raised, I was told over and over again that all are called. And that's a part of being prophetic, to understand that you are called, that you uniquely are created, whether you're a baby or five years old or 15 or 35 and on and on that you have been created uniquely for God's purposes. And that is a prophetic call. And a part of that prophetic call is then to discern God's presence in the world, to do those spiritual practices that connect you with the divine in such a way that your eyes are open spiritually, that your ears are open spiritually to discern what it is that God wants you to do. And so that is a leading of what I was told over and over again, be led by the Holy Spirit. Well, that is, that is part of the prof- being a prophetic person or a people is allowing God to lead you to those who God knows needs to have a good friend uh, who needs to have words of encouragement, who needs to have a story told that shares of God's love, that needs to be able to embody and live uh, Christ's concerns and passion. So that that's kind of a long statement of what it means to, for me to be a prophetic person. It means that I uh, discern God's will and what God wants the world to be. And then I do my part to help make the world through the power of the Holy Spirit and God's direction, what it is God wants. Yeah, I, I, I understand that. And I think it's okay to have a long definition for the word prophetic. I don't think it's an easy term at all. Uh, so you've worked 
in independence for quite some time. How has the temple been a part of your prophetic journey? Uh, the temple as symbol, and it is for me a symbol, it's not just a place. The temple is for me a, a prophetic symbol of the inward uh, spiritual journey as you go into that sanctuary and and as you look up into the temples spiraling inside that beautiful shell-like uh, interior, it has that sense that you are being prepared to be sent out. And, and wherever I travel, and even in Australia, I remember talking about the temple because people would say to me, I'd sit in their little homes. It was wintertime there, and they don't have essential heat, so you'd gather around these little stove-like elements. And I remember this one elderly woman particularly saying, I'm never going to be able to go to the temple. Would you describe it to me? And as I talked about the temple, and I watched her eyes as I shared this symbol of spiritual preparation and then going out in God's mission to the world— I could see that she connected to what I was saying, but more importantly, she caught a glimpse of the fact that that temple is a symbol of her life where she lived uh, north of Melbourne, Australia, in a little community called Bendigo, that she was a part of that preparation, that inward preparation, and that sending out into the world. So for me, that's what the temple temple represents when it comes to being prophetic. It's being discerning and then being in action, what it means uh, to be a disciple. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. So um, everyone loves a good story, and I know that you're a great storyteller. So I was wondering if you would talk to me about a prophetic moment that you have experienced, like what was going on? Where were you? Where it was it in community or by yourself? What is, yeah, just talk to us about a prophetic moment that has happened in your life. Okay. And so that's a little hard to think of one. So I, the first one that popped in my mind, and I've been thinking about a lot of them um, because I really believe that those prophetic moments happen every day if you're just paying attention. And so this, this prophetic moment, uh, since the conversation that you and I had before we began this conversation, when we were talking about giving birth and children and grandchildren, uh, I'm going to tell about the birth of our grandson, our first grandson, and how we had prepared for him. He had been named as name was going to be Brock. And so we all anticipated his birth and we all gathered at the hospital, his, my son's brothers and their wives. And, and we, we sat there and prayed and rejoiced that he was going to be born. And finally, Bart came walking into the waiting area. He was dressed in green scrubs and he was beaming. And he said, Brock's been born. He weighed 10 pounds, four ounces. He's a keeper. Would you like to meet him? And we were like, whoa, yes. And so we all filed into this little room. And I remember the attendant who was caring for the baby stepped back. And we gathered around this little plastic uh, cocoon where the baby was lying. And he was this big brood of a baby. And I remember looking down at him and feeling this intense love that vibrated from the tip 
the top of my head to the tip of my toes. And in that intense feeling of love, I realized that what I was feeling was just a portion of what God was feeling for the world. And then not only was I to love Brock with this intense godly love, but that I was to love every person as a child of God. And in that like everyday ordinary experience, that prophetic moment has changed and enriched my ministry and my ability to connect with other people. So those prophetic moments show up in just moments of living. Some are maybe dramatic like the birth of child, but I sense them when I'm walking my dogs, Luke and Gabriel, as I walk and I pray for people on that walk in my neighborhood, and I sense God's love for them. And there's moments, for example, when I might take a newspaper up to a person's door, and as I'm praying, as I'm putting the newspaper down on the front porch, the door will open and the person's surprised and I'm surprised that they see me there. But we have this conversation and and it's a God moment. It's a prophetic moment of God breaking through in the ordinary. So for me, prophetic moments uh, surround me every day and I try to pay attention to those moments. Uh I'm totally 100% with you. I've mentioned this before on this podcast, but uh, one of my favorite spiritual practices at church camp with, with kids, with senior high kids or junior high kids is to ask them what their God moments were for that day. And, and God moments are just any time when you recognize the Holy Spirit is breaking through and recognize that God is present right then in that moment. And I think they happen all the time. I just think that we are too distracted or whatever to see them. And so listening to those kids' God moments um, helps me to remember that God is always breaking through. The prophetic yes. is in every single moment. If we just, if we just took the time to, to listen and watch, we could have prophetic moments while washing the dishes. Absolutely. If only we paid attention and we're intentional about it. So I'm with you. And gosh, um, hearing your story about the birth of your grandson, I mean, what a profound experience, you know, to even think about that the love that you have for your grandson is so huge for you, but it's just a drop in the bucket for the love that God has for us. Oh, it's huge. huge. Yes. And that plan that God has for us, not just to love our families, not just to love our own children, but to love all the children, you know, that, that we are a family, whether or not through blood, we are the family of God. And, and it's not just the community of Christ family. It's the people that live in our neighborhoods. It's the people we work with. It's the people we stand in the grocery line with. And we have the ability to touch those lives in, in significant ways sometimes, even through just a conversation in a, in a grocery line. I think that is absolutely true. And uh, I mean, if only we were, I don't know what the word is. If only we were uh, secure within ourselves or if we were awake, oh, that's probably it. If we were awake enough to see that, I mean, what a change we could make in our community and and in the world. Yes. Uh, So we talked a little bit about this at the very beginning, uh, but 
Has your understanding of what it means to be a prophetic people evolved as you continually work, work for the church? Oh, absolutely. Uh, it, of course it has. I mean, because it, just being a disciple causes you, if you're trying to get more in, in alignment with God's will, it does change the way in which you view the world. Um, it also has helped me in my leadership in the church to understand, for example, during the U.S. National Conference, when we were given the provision uh, in, uh, was it Section 164, where we were given the provision and the freedom to have national conference to address pressing issues that couldn't be done worldwide, international, because of context as well as culture, etc. And we, of course, it was the issue having to do with same gender marriage and same and um, homosexuals and lesbians and all manner of people being ordained uh, to the priesthood. And the the understanding of prophetic was profound in that process of discernment. And so we learned, had learned after the ordination of women, how not to do it because people who disagreed fought and got angry with each other and quit going to church with each other and started another faith movement. And we learned from that, that we needed as a people with this very contentious uh, issue to be able to walk together and discern together and be prayerful together and faithfully disagree together. And so for three years, we used that idea of prophetic joint understanding of what it meant to walk together. And so from 2010 to the national conference in 2013, uh, the U.S., uh, apostles made a decision not to share our own beliefs on what the church should do, but encourage the membership to be prayerful about what God was calling us to do. And so we didn't share, we didn't say, well, we think you should do this. We provided resources and our presence to be able to share, have the people begin to share with the Holy Spirit through scripture study, through prayer, etc., through conversation, to listen to one another and to understand. And I believe that was a prophetic process led by God to help us to be a people to walk through those three years that could have been very divisive to allow us to come together and to listen at that national conference and then to take the vote and have over 80% of the people in favor of providing an opportunity for people of the same genders to marriage or make a covenant commitment, as well as to ordain people who were in those covenant commitment or eventually marriage to be ordained as ministers. And throughout that whole process, I mean, there were God moments all along the way. I remember a man in Pensacola, Florida, in a place that was having a lot of difficulty with the whole issue. 
and his name was Ward, and he stood amongst the people as we were talking. He was evangelist, and he said, I want you to know that I was told from the time I was very young that uh, any homosexual activity was sinful, and he said, I believe that all my growing up in years. He said, I recently went to a winter reunion in Florida, and there saw a man, his name was Mark, lead the worship and lead that reunion. And he said, I cannot deny that God worked through him. And just by him sharing that prophetic understanding, something happened in that mission center that was struggling mightily. Something happened, and it allowed them to have a glimpse of the kingdom, I believe, in a way that changed some of their perspectives on what God's will was. That's fantastic. That's so good to hear. Um, yeah, I, I come from a, a place that's there, where there is a lot of people that has that struggled with the idea of full inclusion for LGBTQIA plus people and, and going through that national conference the way we did and listening carefully and prayerfully and not just wanting to insert our own voice, I think was an incredibly prophetic thing to do. Uh, not forcing what we thought, but listening. I was, that was a huge moment for me. It was, and I, I want to, ironically, President Grant McMurray is, was the one who said those words. You know, it's time uh, to move from our identity as a people with a prophet to our calling to be in a prophetic people. Ironically, it was in his resignation that I believe that the church first had, well, I shouldn't say first, but it did have a very profound journey together to determine and to give the name of the one who would now be the prophet president. And so the man who said we need to be a prophetic people who resigned and then as a group, as a church, we, worldwide we began to pray for who it was God was asking to lead the church as prophet president. And the church got with that. I, I was in congregations that prayed on a daily basis and communally together. Um, uh, we received letters from people who were praying. And, with, uh, and when the Council of Twelve, who was tasked with speaking the name of the person, came together in a colleague's home, all of us... Uh, came up with the same name, different experience and reason why, but the name of, of Stephen M. Beasy to serve as the president prophet of the church came through that discernment prophetic process of choosing who would be our leader. So I find that is ironic that the one who spoke the words because of his resignation, we as a people really lived out what it meant to be prophetic. Oh, that is interesting. And, and what, a what a responsibility, um, that was for not just for the council of 12, but, or the church leadership council, but for every single person, it was, it was a wonderful experience from what you've said and what I've heard before. It was a really wonderful experience to go through that. It was a vulnerable experience and it was a, a little bit, uh, the word scary is not right, but it was a little bit maybe 
anxiety producing. It's like, what if, what if, what if, but trusting in that process does take a lot of effort and does take a lot of um, being present. And so anyway, so the what ifs didn't never came to happen, right? I mean, we- You're we right, yes. Yes, in fact, when when the Peter Judd and um, Ken Robinson, who were then in the first presidency, met with the Council of Twelve to share that uh, President McMurray had given his letter of resignation, we were all in the room except for um, Bunda Chibwe, who was traveling in Africa, and he had connected through phone line. And when they announced that the letter of resignation had been received, there was dead silence in the Council of Twelve room, and you heard Bunda uh, from Africa over the phone line said, oh, dear Lord. And it was, you know, I think it was an oh, dear Lord uh, for the whole church because, oh, my goodness, I mean, that was not something that had been our experience. And the, the Council of Twelve made a decision. We were going to talk about it together. Uh, we met, you know, together in prayer and prayed every day for each other and for the church. And we really were vulnerable, as was the church, to where it was God was leading us and who God was calling to serve as that prophet president. So it was, it was a remarkable experience, one that ha- has blessed the church and has taught the church what it means to be prophetic and to trust and to rely upon and have the assurance that God will walk through us during those difficult experiences. For sure. So we've, we've already been talking uh, about this, but I want to, I want to give you a, a list of something of things that have taken place in community of Christ and, and things that are important to us. And I'm going to give you the full list that um, I, we've come up with. And I want you to pick one or two of them and talk about how you saw the prophetic in those places, if that's okay. So uh, just for our listener, you have the list in front of you, probably, but I'm going to give the list to the whole listener and you choose one or two of those. Does that sound okay? Okay. Okay. So where did you see the prophetic in the concept of Zion, ordination of women, the different lenses of discernment, the LGBTQIA plus, uh, diversity and leadership, attention to the poor, international diversity and going across borders for ministry, nonviolence, the process of common consent, signal communities, the church's name change, or in the USA National Conference? Okay, so I think I've already, I've already talked about the National Conference. Yes. Um, And I added other things on and well, I'll let me talk about the name change. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. That that was a biggie too for the church. Um, You know, the reorganized Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints had been our name for so long, and people had defended themselves and explained why they were not Mormon and how they were not Mormon. And people had an unusual fixation on that name, and it meant a lot to a lot of different people. And, And so when... Uh, the Council of Twelve brought the idea of a new name to the World Conference Community of Christ. The conversation we listened to each other, and I remember one man standing up and saying, "You know, I've defended this name, and 
this is our name and you know i don't want it changed and then others would say well i've defended this name but i don't want to defend it anymore i want a new name and and we listen to each other and we heard each other and we also listened to the holy spirit and I remember sitting uh, up on the rostrum where the Council of Twelve sits together as a quorum, looking out into the faces of the delegates, the 2,800 delegates from around the world. And I, it felt as if there was a spirit moving in the midst of those people. And it was a moment when I, listening to the people, I couldn't tell how the vote was going to go. But I remember, and I don't remember who was speaking, but they said something like, this name, Community of Christ, is not for us. The name Community of Christ is for others because it is welcoming. And it speaks of who we are, who we're called to be. We are called to be builders of community. We're called to be uh, Zionic in our communities and we're called to be centered in Jesus Christ. And so this name, while it does say who we are and who we're called to be and what we're called to do, it's for others. And that's what it means to be prophetic. And in that moment of that giving voice to that idea, it was if I could see and know <laughs> that that the conference was going to accept the name and they did they voted over 80 percent which was the benchmark it had to be at least 80 percent of the people to vote but that was that was a prophetic utterance by that conference because it wasn't about us it was about our calling to be that community of christ uh, welcoming and being hospitable for to and inviting others uh, to join us and to be a part of the building of Zion or the peaceable kingdom of God. So for me, that was a very prophetic moment, but it was also a prophetic process. And that process continues as we try to understand what it means to be a community of Christ. Oh, that's a wonderful story, Linda. I've never heard that before. Thank you so much for sharing that. That's isn't it amazing how every once in a while, I'm sure it's happened to you uh, and me and some others that, you know, you say these words or you hear these words and you're like, and you, you know, in your heart, it has rested upon your heart and you know that that is where it, it, what is, you should have heard what that person should have said and what needed to be said in that moment. Yes. I love those moments. Me too. And that's another thing, like you said, we just have to pay attention. You know, I, I've had those God moments with, with the words of a, a child. I, I remember at a very distressful time in my life when a man in the congregation, the pastor of the congregation, right soon after it was uh, known that women would be called to be ordained, uh, I uh, had great respect for this pastor. Uh, he even looked like my grandfather, who I love so much. And he invited me to lunch. And in that lunch, he proceeded to tell me why I would not be called to the priesthood because he thought I was running 
for the office of priesthood. And I was crushed because I had only done what people had asked me to do, if it was to say a prayer or to give a testimony. And I was totally crushed. And I came home and I told my husband and he was furious. And he said, how dare he give you an unpriesthood call? And, and I, I got to the point where I could hardly go to church to face the man. And one Sunday when I went to church to take communion, um, I couldn't reach for the bread and the wine. I hurt so much because I thought that I had in some way disappointed God. And so I went home and knelt beside my bed and cried out to God. And the words came, do not allow your hurts and frustrations to separate you from the people you're called to serve. And when I went back to church the next Sunday, a boy of about nine years old, his name was David, came up to me and said, Linda, did you know that you said a prayer on such and such? And he said, did you, I didn't tell you before, but I felt as if God." spoke to me in your prayer. This was just a little kid. And that gave me the assurance that God was not angry with me and that I was to keep on keeping on and to continue to be called just as I had been taught that all people were called and to allow um, the spirit to continue to work in me. And so not to let my hurts and my frustrations to separate me from the people that God actually was calling me to serve. So it was a child who spoke the words that helped me to heal and to know that God was okay with me. And it was the words after that crying out to God to know that um, you're going to always get hurt and frustrated in ministry and in life, but don't let those stand in the way of continuing on to be the servant, your servant uh, for, for God. Oh, what a wonderful story. You are such a good storyteller. I'm so glad that we get to hear these beautiful stories. Thank you for sharing them. Um, was there anything else on the list that you wanted to talk about where you saw the prophetic? Well, you know, I could, I could, I could go on each one of them. I don't know how long this podcast is supposed to be. But when, when you talked about the attention to the poor and the worth of persons, I mean, for me, that's what being prophetic is all about. And, and it's in that definition when we discern God's presence and God's will for the world. And, and to be prophetic then is to express in our beliefs and our actions and our relationships the care and compassion of Jesus Christ. And so, I mean, I have so many stories of people who have really understood that in another person's welfare is their welfare that we've heard in our inspired counsel that that when you when you love another person then you receive god's love too you don't do it to receive god's love but that is actually what happens too it's a reinforcement of god's love for the world i was preaching at a congregation in tampa florida and this woman named debbie came up to me she kind of lurked after everybody had gone through the line and she came over to me and she asked to she said to me, she said, I have a sense that I'm supposed to start a congregation in Newport Ritchie, which was, I don't know how many miles away from Tampa. She said, would you pray with me about it? And so I prayed with her and then I got her connected with her mission center president. And I told her if she wanted to 
call me, I would get the names of people in that area, Newport Ritchie, who might be connected with the church. And so to make a long story short, she started this little gathering of people and it grew and grew out of her home. And so they ended up going and uh, having a service in the park in Newport Ritchie in, um, you know, one of those park places that have the, the picnic tables and the uh, top over top of the tables and, and they would sing and they would pray and, and pretty soon there were these people that would come out of the woods and they would be carrying all of their belongings and they would sit in the picnic tables on the picnic tables with the congregation and they started talking and they started joining them every Thursday night. These people came out of the woods, people that didn't have a home. And Debbie realized that her prayer to start a church, a church that she thought was going to be just like the church in Tampa, only in a different place, became a church that was focused on people who had no home. And when I went down uh, to Newport Ritchie several years later, we had rented a couple of storefronts. Um, I preached to that congregation that was sitting packed into this uh, area. I mean, they were so close, I could have reached out and touched the noses on the people in front of me. They were so close in that place. And through the glass windows of the storefront, I could see all these people out there uh, sitting, listening to what was being said. And following my portion, a man named Patrick was um, confirmed a member of the church. And afterwards, I went out looking for him. And I said, Patrick, how did you find the church? And he said, well, I was invited by another person who was homeless. He said, um, I, I lost my job I was, uh, and I didn't have any disposable income. So I lived in my car for two years. And he said, you know, when you don't have a home, uh, you smell and, and people don't want to get near you. They don't want to touch you because you smell. They're afraid you're diseased. And he said, when I came to Community of Christ, they touched me. They hugged me. They shook my hand. And he said, not only did I feel physical touch, but I felt the touch of the Holy Spirit. And, and you see, that's what it means to be prophetic, is to step outside and risk something that's different, to, to uh, have your congregation become new in the prophetic light of what it means to be God's people. And when you do, the ministry changes quite often, and the people that come to your congregation are often very different than those you would normally invite. And so when I get excited about being prophetic, it's because I recognize there's so many people that need to be touched and they need to be touched by a human being and through the power of the Holy Spirit to be touched by something greater than themselves. And so that's for me why it's important that we all are prophetic people. Well, thank you so much for sharing that um, and sharing those stories. I, I do think that there's a lot of fear out there for something that you were just talking about, the fear of if I go where God is calling me to go, it's going to be uncomfortable and it's not going to look like I really want it to look. Mm -hmm. And it might not smell the way I'm, I like things to smell. And I might have to go outside of myself a little bit too much. And you know what? I'm pretty comfortable right here. Maybe I don't want to do that. So what you're saying is to be that prophetic, to be a prophetic people, it just takes, it takes courage and it takes the will to say, you know what? I'm not going to let that fear stop me. Absolutely. 
So I think it's really important. Thank you so much for sharing those stories. And thank you so much for sharing all of this incredible knowledge that you have by working for the church for 22 years. That's really awesome, Linda. That's really awesome. Thank you, Bryn. Well, uh, is there anything else you wanted to say? Any question I didn't ask you that you wish I would have asked you before we sign off? No, I think I probably shared as much as needed at this time. But thank you for the invitation. I've enjoyed the conversation. Thank you so much, Linda. Thanks for listening to Project Zion Podcast. Subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcast, Stitcher, or whatever podcast streaming service you use. And while you are there, give us a five-star rating. Project Zion Podcast is sponsored by Latter-day Seeker Ministries of Community of Christ. The views and opinions expressed in this episode are of those speaking and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of Latter-day Seeker Ministries or Community of Christ. The music has been graciously provided by Dave Hines. Dave Hines